Welcome to Motorsports Tech Talk with Brian and Eric. Eric, how you, how's it going? I'm doing pretty good, man. How about you? That's good. Pretty good. Pretty good. You know, just uh, it's episode two. Episode two? Can't See that be- F1 race? Woo! Yeah, that was, uh, that was a doozy. That was a doozy. That was, uh, I mean, it's, honestly, it's everything I could ever hope for. I mean, we got some excellent George Russell action. Uh-huh. Um, we got to see some midfielders get some get some big finishes. So, uh-huh. so I guess spoiler: if you didn't watch the uh, F one race, maybe uh, maybe go skip ahead or something. But I'm sure everyone's seen it by now. I mean, it's hard. I can't even go into like Facebook or anything without seeing millions of posts about it. But I mean, that's just my Facebook, though. Yeah, um, if you haven't listened or seen. The race, I guess. Skip ahead. Uh, I don't know the one, but just do it. Uh, or, you know, put us on pause, watch the race, come back, and uh, get back to our podcast. Yeah, it's definitely definitely one to watch, for sure. It is. Probably, it, probably my favorite race of the season. Yeah. I think, honestly, you could expand it past this season. Like, it was it was wild. Yeah, I guess yeah. The last couple of seasons have been a little, a little low, a little, little, a little dry. Maybe one one team winning every single race, kind of yeah. dry. Like boiled chicken, unseasoned, you know. Yeah, yeah. So like, it's it was a good one though. Like, uh, so I mean, it started off with uh, George Russell taking the lead on the, the through the first corner. Yep. Really showing that uh, you know, well, a couple things. Maybe uh, Botas needs to step up his game. It shows that potentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you got someone coming in. There, there is. I mean, I mean, people like to over dramatize everything, especially in F one or really any sport. But yeah, uh, going in the, you know, they were talking about how George. I mean, he's he's quite a bit taller than than Lewis. I think he's like six foot tall. I'm not sure how tall Lewis is, but I think he's like like four inches taller or something. Yeah, most drivers aren't six foot. Yeah, and. Uh, and the, although the cars, I mean, the cars are, will be specifically designed basically for that driver. Like they'll take their measurements into consideration when they're, when they're sizing everything, they don't have like uh, template rules or anything like, uh, formula SAE does. If you, if you guys ever saw those, I, I, they might have some template rule, but maybe it's, it's really tight compared to that giant thing they made you squeeze through in formula SAE. But, yeah. um, uh, but basically, the yeah, his his like the pedal box area and stuff was also too small for his size uh, his size thirteen shoe or whatever that he has versus Hamilton. So he was he was struggling a little bit for fit, and his feet weren't fitting so well. I think they said that he had to squeeze into a size lower shoe. But you know, it's it's probably just Russell trying to make excuses ahead of the ahead of the weekend to make sure to cover cover himself off ahead of time. Yeah, I mean we all. We all know that that pro move. Or when you're driver excuses. Yeah, you got to get them ready. Yeah, you gotta. And if if you get them out before the race, it's even better because then no one can say like, "Well, you just said that because you didn't do well because <laughs> you haven't even performed yet." Yeah, you gotta you gotta be on point with it. Which I I think he was. He, I mean, all the drivers do do that. They, uh, especially in a situation like this, they try to get out ahead of it. They're like, "Well, you know, I haven't got much time in the car. You know, I would my." head doesn't fit in my helmet or you know, I don't know, like just they try to come up with everything, get, get ahead of it. And, yeah. you know, and, and I, 
not really, I wasn't believing everything he was saying, but I, I also didn't expect him to just be able to jump in there, you know, it's a different car. I mean, he's been driving at least a Formula One car all season, but just uh, the slowest one. Yeah. Like maybe Formula 1.5 or something car. Yeah. Like, something between Formula One and Formula Two. Yeah. Like I feel like to be considered a full Formula One car, maybe you need to finish on the lead lap of majority of the races in, in my eyes. But, you know, they're out there. Williams spent lots of money trying to yeah. do whatever they're doing, and it's just not working for them. But and one day it will, maybe. One day. I mean, they sold it, though, to some conglomerate. So maybe. Yeah, but I mean, maybe now the, the money will be there because uh, now it's not family owned or whatever. But but yeah, so Russell jumped in and uh, you know he led a couple practice practice sessions. But you know, practice is you never know what teams are doing if they're running test programs or right actually pushing for a fast lap. I imagine with Russell, they just told him go out there, get comfortable, get as many laps in. Right. Yeah, I would. Imagine for Russell, they wanted him to get comfortable with the car, but as you mentioned, you don't know what other teams are doing. You know, lots of times they're going for, uh, they're looking at specific sectors um, or different strategies, so their true pace generally isn't shown. Yeah. Um, So it's hard to compare. You know, you can't say, oh, you know, this guy who's practicing just to get comfortable with the car and is trying to set fast laps. (laughs) You know, yeah. com- you can't really compare him to another driver because you don't know what the other team's doing. Exactly, exactly. It's not until qualifying do you kind of see everyone's hand uh, that they're that they're playing with. So, um, but usually, I mean, practice two sometimes they'll they'll do it because it's usually the same condition. Practice two will be the same conditions as uh, qualifying the next day as far as the time of day. So sometimes that's usually what they at least the announcers try to use as like their litmus test of the performance of everyone, but. Yeah, you know, again, it's it's never it's not until qualifying you actually see it. But but yeah, it's once they got to qualifying, Russell ended up qualifying two hundredths off of Botas, with Botas getting pole. That's uh, I think it's pretty good for someone who hadn't been in the car until that weekend. Yeah, that's uh, it's impressive. Yeah, it's he got up to speed pretty quick. Um, you know, Mercedes went for a interesting strategy in the end of qualifying and just did they just did like i think they did three they did three laps you normally only do two so i don't know if that was because they wanted to give russell extra chances or i don't know but i I think they just were planning to run the soft tires so they're like yeah let's just burn them all up in qualifying might as well yeah we're paying for them gotta Mm -hmm. use them yeah exactly (laughs) but uh but yeah it was, it was close for Stabbing was right right behind in third and another couple hundreds off so it was it was shaped up to be a close race and uh but yeah but Russell really honestly really impressed me but but like yeah it's uh he, he yeah, got, I I agree and the, the thing that's impressive well I guess it's not limited to one thing but we see a good qualifying pace right he gets a good start um, and then if I told you he finished well after he got a good start, you might just say, well, you know, he's in a Mercedes, he gets out in front, does his thing. Um, there were a few incidents and he fought his way back up through the field twice. Yeah. So yeah, the, he, I, 
he impressed me for sure for sure uh, he yeah like if he was just what kind of just got the start right which botas has been messing up recently uh if he would have just gotten that right and then you know it's still one from there it, it showed that i mean at least he has the pace mm-hmm. to drive a mercedes fast uh and faster than Valtteri botas uh but yeah it might not show like how's uh, how's his race craft in that kind of situation so so yeah i mean it it did help i guess that in the first turn we got a lot of the other major contenders all kind of took each other out you got Leclerc who kind of locked up it would look like he was expecting perez to kind of take a a wide a wide line try to go on the outside of botas but he ended up kind of trying to do it like a switchback cut back into the inside and Leclerc wasn't expecting it kind of did it dove up too far up the inside and kind of made contact and somehow Perez limped away with just a I believe it was a flat tire but uh but uh, Leclerc's race was over and then he also kind of collected uh Verstappen as well so he kind of had the big the basically everyone who qualified you know third fourth fifth all kind of yeah a lot of the big names went out um and yeah i mean maybe you collected is a strong word <laughs> yeah for staff and just just kind of drove into the wall yeah you just uh, there's the wall i'm gonna hit it I guess. yeah um yeah. i mean so that, that sounds bland obviously <laughs> here uh he was avoiding the incident you know it, it didn't come out of nowhere yeah. he didn't just decide to drive into a wall he, he was avoiding the incident yeah but, just, uh, it, the, i don't think he had contact with another car no no he didn't he just kind of had a closing door sort of he was reacting and then hit the gravel and just kind of shot him off into the into the wall so yeah it was not a good race for him of course uh, but then that, that led to just a, a mercedes one two just kind of out in the clean air yep it's definitely one of the more exciting mercedes one twos in the last several years just because right. of the different drivers at stake here but but yeah i mean basically it looked like a runaway mercedes show and then uh kind of late in the race a a safety car came out due to i believe it was uh russell's replacement i can't uh, aiken he uh hit the wall and um kind of left his front wing on the track just as a souvenir for someone but uh he was able to make it back to the pits but they they recovered the wing and there was no kind of room, so they had to do the safety car. And Mercedes just, I mean, it was the right time. They were many seconds ahead of everyone, so they can get a free pit stop out of it. So they decided to double stack them just to not give anyone, not to give either driver an advantage. Yeah. Double stacked them and accidentally put one of Botas's tires onto Russell's car, which is a big, big no-no in Formula One rules. Uh, you're able, they're able to correct the issue within three laps but it basically forced russell to come back in after his pit stop and then on top of that uh, they didn't realize it until they were putting on botas's tires so he uh they basically they put on his new set but one of them was russell's tire and then knowing that after realizing it and knowing they had to, would have to pit him again too tried to damage control and just put back on the uh, set of tires he came in on yep and then uh from there, which was, I mean, as you noted, it was already an extra pit stop. Yeah, like a bonus free tire set. So it's not the end of the world to put. Yeah, the tires he already had on. Yeah, and his tires weren't too old compared to some of the other guys out there. They weren't terrible. Like, and they there are they were, they were planning to go to the end of the race with those if there wasn't a, a caution like that. But, uh, but they had to put them back on on old tires back out, and I believe it was fifth. And uh, and then 
when Russell came back in to get his tires changed off to all his tires, uh, he was back right behind, behind Botas, I think it's sixth, if I remember correctly. Um, maybe it was fourth and fifth there, but basically a couple cars ahead that they had to take care of before they could get back up. But there was like 10 laps left. So, I mean, you know, we all know the Mercedes is super fast. Yeah. There's a, there's some time to come back and it, and it was looking like he so you know, Russell really impressed with a couple passes first getting around Botas, which was on much older tires, but he still made the, made the move fast because the more he would have waited, the 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 more the other guys would have gotten away. So he, he made made the move real quick, uh, and then got best the other two. Uh, I believe it was Akon and uh, and Stroll. Uh, he had to get by, and then it was he was uh, doing fast laps, chasing down Perez, who was uh, now out front. Which, you know, he had that incident at the very beginning, and just really did a gr- really good job working his way back up to the front. Yeah. Um, and then from there he. He he got a flat. He just he, he got must have maybe been from some extra debris out there, but he got a flat rear tire, and Russell had to come in and uh, he had to pit. So basically, lost we lost our shot of seeing maybe Russell and it probably been a really good battle between him and Perez with Russell having new tires, but you know running out of time, and and the force or the the force India the racing point uh, had good uh, had good pace as well. Right. So. Yeah, unfortunately, we didn't get to see that. But he changed tires, put on the softs, and then again passed like six or seven cars. Still got his first points in a Formula One, which is good to see. Yeah, he went out in, well, I was going to say, I thought it was 15th, I think. Yeah. And he ended Somewhere up in the teens. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, pulled it up to ninth. Yeah, so it was it, a few it, laps. It was pretty impressive, and of course, you know he's on this. He's basically on like a qualifying setup: low fuel load, soft tires in a Mercedes. Yeah, I mean that that's as rocket shippy <laughs> as you're gonna get. Yeah, in but, any of those cars. But he took advantage of it, and yeah, got right basically back, right back to where Botas ended up, and got his first points, and really proved, I think, that uh, he had what is it, what it takes to kind of be up at the front in Formula One, uh, and then. And then uh, Perez held it on and held it on and got his uh, first ever win in Formula One. I think, uh, I believe he set a record for first or most races before your first win. I think it was somewhere around 180, 190 or something because he's, he's been around for a while. Yeah. But I think, uh, but it was, yeah, it was a great race. And I think what this kind of, what we, what we take from it is it's kind of what we were talking about last week about. Well, is it? Can you just put the driver in from another car into that Mercedes and and be competitive? And it, that's definitely for sure. I mean, we weren't we weren't surprised by that, as far as versus the other teams. But then also, uh, just is kind of conversation around like, is Hamilton really that good, or is Botas really that bad, or kind of what what may come up sometimes. But yeah, well, and this raises a lot of inst interesting questions about drivers i think um so we saw um russell do really well Mm -hmm. right and then it was it was impressive um you know i i think this in some ways helps my theory that you know all the formula one drivers are so good you know at the the tip of the spear they're so close to each other that it's an engineering competition between the cars, um, and at least for a race, um, 
you know, it's about who has the better car. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did see him, uh, as you mentioned, sort of make passes early on when he had to make them. Uh, and we we know some drivers in Formula One who will sort of take their time to mm-hmm. try and make that happen. So I think that there is certainly still an element of driver proficiency here. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he's obviously a, a very talented driver, and it was, it was fun to watch. Um, I think it's just sort of interesting all around because sort of every viewpoint I was looking at was sort of backed up, yeah. right? Like, okay, he's never driven this car before, and he's just, you know, storming the field. Mm-hmm. Um, but also he's taking chances that other drivers wouldn't. So Yeah. Um, another thing you'll see, um, I think where, where drivers come in more than the engineering of the cars throughout the season. Yep. Right? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I, I don't want to say anybody can set a fast lap or win a race. It's very difficult to do, but um, I think the differentiator between a lot of these good drivers, um, you know, when you when you consider the bottom of that tier level is still mm-hmm. phenomenal drivers, right? Yeah. Um, I think when you get to that point, you know, the, the differentiator between the drivers is quick thinking, I guess, in, in short, right? Yeah. Being able to identify a situation and what risk to take and when to take it or when not to. Yeah. Uh, you'll have some very fast drivers, but they're so aggressive that they end up doing poorly in the season, you know, mm-hmm. in the championship mm-hmm. because they've wrecked out too many times, you know. Yeah, yeah. there's there's a fine line being that, like, aggressive guy that makes the right moves and being that, that crashy guy that no one wants to be around on track. Yeah. Like, and... It could just be circumstance, really, but it's also judging those opportunities, those passing opportunities, and exactly, and you know, having maybe that little bit of an out when you're making the move. Well, at their level, though, it's it's maybe maybe you should, I think that's the problem with maybe some of like maybe like a Albon or a Botas is that they give themselves too much of an out when they go for a move and then just don't commit enough. They just kind of they they kind of show themselves but they don't they either don't finish the move or they just uh don't think they can make it maybe and just don't even try it it's definitely there's been a couple of times i think this season with botas where it's you just expect him to be able to he should just move up through the field he's in the fastest car especially when he's around like a like a reno or mclaren that just doesn't have the race pace compared to them it'll take him like several laps to get by and some of that might be track specific the where the DRS zones and that kind of stuff is. But yeah, I don't know. It just seems like in, in this case, Russell, I mean, he had a, he was trying to prove himself. So he's going to drive pretty aggressively, I imagine. Uh, and he just, he made the moves work and, and uh, I think it, it looked really good. And it, it, it does show that, well, like you were saying, it, a lot of drivers can be fast in formula. And I mean, I would hope so. I hope if you, right. I hope if you get there, you're uh you're you're pretty impressive talent but um i guess one thing maybe the casual fan won't think about is is uh 
is these guys have a lot of seat time working their way up. I mean, it's like their only job as as from like from birth, yeah, <laughs> basically. And they're carting and then open, transition to open wheel. Uh, they're just they're racing all the time and they're getting as much time in there and racing and and seat time, which which is king. Uh, so and and it's a whole kind of especially for Formula One, they have a very well defined kind of ladder system to work your way up. So. Mm-hmm event you would hope that the kind of the cream rises to the top but kind of one extra factor that some people might not think about i mean they see it maybe but just don't consider it enough until unless they're in racing and they're spending the kind of money even for something like spec miata or something you're yeah. you're emptying your bank account let alone you know formula two and i don't know what those budgets look like but i so i'm sure it's ridiculous i imagine it's yeah it's it's just absurd. Um, but a lot of drivers, I mean, you know, people talk about it with like Lance Stroll, like his dad bought, bought him a formula one team basically. So he has a seat, you know, not exactly, but I mean, I mean, Perez who just won a race for them doesn't have a seat and Lance Stroll, uh, does have a seat next year at, uh, well, I guess Aston Martin now, but, uh, so yeah, it's, uh, you can kind of see the writing on the wall there, but and you know Stroll's had some good races, but it's very obvious that Perez is performing better, especially in race. Yeah. Um, so like, there's, um, you know, Eric and I have talked about this a lot. Just this that money factor. Are there other drivers out there that are just really, really good, have a lot of talent, uh, just but just didn't have the funds to make it all the way up there to Formula One? And uh, I think it's definitely the case. Um, Absolutely. I mean, it costs so much money just to get seat time that there's no way that um, someone didn't. There's not missed opportunity, I guess. Yeah, and that that does raise a a question, though. Um, maybe we can get to it uh, in a minute. Um, but we're we're talking about money and seat time, mm-hmm. um, and these people starting it in their youth yep um and then talent as well uh how much of it is natural talent and then how much of it is seat time yeah no it's and that's definitely it's something just between between the two of us we've talked about a lot too because i mean we're we're ourselves aspiring race car drivers we definitely (laughs) pretend yeah pretend aspiring (laughs) i mean we're we know there's absolutely zero chance of doing some sort of professional motorsports getting paid like those guys like we're just so far behind we started too late even though we're in our 20s yeah it's still well, way too late might as well be in the grave i know in the world of motorsport exactly but uh but you know we just wonder with you know some of the people we've raced with against just how much how much there is kind of a talent a knack i mean with with a lot of things there's going to be yeah just your kind of the person's intelligence is going to be somewhat important like mm-hmm. just being able to problem solve fast that kind of thing yeah uh you know interpret data uh reaction times reaction times there's there's a lot of things that go into it i mean yeah. being physically fit's going to help you in an endurance situation but i mean you can it's like the shorter races you can get away with maybe not being super fit uh like an F1 driver can't, but yeah, we've all seen some of the beer bellies in, in NASCAR and stuff <laughs> over the years. Maybe not as much anymore. Now you got these thin young guys that 
are again being bred and raised to do NASCAR and stuff like that. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know what there's, there's with, with racing, there's, there's a lot of different, I think, talents that kind of filter in to being a good racing driver. Whereas maybe if you just have genetic disposition to swimming, like Michael Phelps, like it's, yeah, he, he's just has like the perfect body shape. He's, he's like a shape, like a fish. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it's going to be hard to beat him if you're some, uh, like shorter person or you just, it, it's just, you don't have the body type that he does. You can sure. practice all day. You can train, you can probably become pretty good, but that little bit more that you need kind of is there in the genetics, whereas that doesn't really exist in racing. It's, it's ultimately down to, you know, the equipment is very important for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then how you kind of, how you operate that, but you don't have to, you know, you don't have to be, you know, marathon runner or something to, right. To have that kind of endurance or something to, to do it usually. Yeah. Well, and I, I think just like, uh, going home and doing practice math problems, you know, uh, seat time is, is practice for that, that quick thinking yep. factor you were talking about, you know, so, um, it might be a little bit easier for someone who's naturally a little more intelligent, mm-hmm. but, uh, I think you can get there with practice with seat time. Yeah. The, I have a problem with how expensive practice is. It's very difficult to get. But, um, yeah, I mean, this is one of the reasons why we're such a big fan of the driver mod, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, is I, I think even though there's some sort of genetic predispos- predisposition, um, I, I think just about anybody can get there with practice. Yeah, yeah, and... Um... And, and a lot of these, you know, any F1 driver is going to have hopefully a lot of practice working their way up. Um, right. I think when you start that young, they're also going to have that genetic predisposition because they don't have the time to get to practice. <laughs> Basically, yeah. They're pretty much racing from day one. Yeah. So it's like, it's kind of, they're it's kind of second nature to them. They can't, they don't think, they. that's just how they've been kind of growing up to think and act and stuff in the race cars. Um, cause kind of going off with that experience, I mean, there's, there's so many different, I guess, ex- so much different experience you get. Like at a base level, there's just learning that car, learning the track. I mean, after a while you should have enough, you know, like, say our, our home track, Gingerman, I've probably lapped that place hundreds, maybe even thousands of times. Well, it is the greatest track in the world. It is, it is, is, is the, is the it's the heart and soul of motorsport and in North America. Uh, but, uh, but like, so at the point I can, you know, if someone wants, if I'm driving a chip car race in someone else's car or something like the track, isn't one of the things I need to worry about. I just need to get up to speed with the car and then I should be pretty good to go. But then, you know, once you master that car, or like, or, or, yeah, once you have your own car, like, like I'm doing with Spec Miata, where I, I know the car really well. It's my car. It's side. You know, I I set up the seat and every, everything fits me perfect, and uh, and I'm very comfortable in it. I know how it, you know, how it how it drives, how it reacts to my inputs, all that kind of stuff. So now I I get a, I'm very comfortable in the car. I'm comfortable with 
some of the tracks like that's say gingerman in this case um then from there actually you kind of you kind of have to do races at that point to really get i think to that next level experience like knowing where you can pass uh knowing what parts of the track have grip when you're not just trying to set a fast lap when you're in a racing situation and on the outside of someone somewhere like knowing like oh i can i can take there's grip on the outside here i can keep it here versus you know or if you didn't know that and maybe there isn't any grip out there and you you just you you, lose it you lose it and so yeah i mean racecraft is huge uh if you're racing yes obviously right so of course anybody who doesn't plan on doing anything more than a track day um through their life it's I guess that's not the next level for them. They don't need it. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's very important for racing. Um, I'd say it's one of the more critical items. Uh, You'll see pro drivers. I've watched uh, some of their in-car footage where they are identifying and reacting to a problem before I've... Watching the video and knowing what's going to happen before Mm -hmm. I've identified the problem. Yeah. You know? um, Yeah, and and that that comes with racecraft, you know. I uh, I was watching a video of a pro driver, and um, the driver in front of him uh, had gone out wide uh, on the entrance. He it's not like he he went through the corner and went wide. Mm-hmm. Like he he it looked like he overslowed and he went really far to the right. I wasn't really sure what was going on, um, but this driver's already. Like in the ABS, unfortunately, in counter steering, <laughs> because he knows that this other driver is going to continue to overslow and try and take this late apex. And based off the conditions, he wasn't going to make it through the corner and they would have contact. So he is already deep into the ABS because he <laughs> knows he's going to contact this other driver because he knows what they're both going to be doing. Mm-hmm. And I'm just sitting here watching the video like. <laughs> Hey, he's leaving the door open for you. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, that's, I mean, that's, it's, it's huge. It really is. Yeah. So it's, it's, there's, there's a lot you can learn and, and yeah, and some things you can only learn by racing. And I mean, there's, there's a reason why, you know, they keep, keep, uh, Kimmy Räikkönen going and he's in his forties now. Like there's all this awesome with that too. And <laughs> <laughs> has the best interviews in the game. Yeah. <laughs> It, uh, it's probably nice for the engineers because they don't really have to talk to him much. Oh, I'm sure it's crazy. And yeah, it's just like, let's go to the debrief. Oh, Kimmy just left. Okay, I guess no debrief. Let's uh, let's all go home. Yep. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's uh, there's 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 a lot of levels, and and for the most part in Formula One, you'd you'd hope that all of them have developed those skills because of they they've met those kind of prerequisites usually. Unless you have a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of money and uh, maybe a really good name. And even then, you still, like in the case of Mick Schumacher, he still, he just won the F2 championship. Uh, and, you know, to, I mean, it, it gives him the validation. Everyone knows he was going to, he was going to make it there eventually. He's got, he got some support. He's got the, he's got the name. He's got mm-hmm. a lot of things people want. So it's not surprising to see him up there. It, it's nice that they, he proved himself. He, yeah, I mean, he did win. He he won. It took him took him to you know it took him his to his second season, but you know not everyone's just going to jump in and immediately get there. Um, 
It is unfortunate though. Yeah. Like if you because if you don't have the backing, you have one shot. Yep. Yeah, cuz there's I'm sure there's one opportunity. So <laughs> so many drivers that uh that you know, that were given that opportunity, worked their way up and yeah, just had a bad season and then well, we didn't have the money. If you don't have the money, then we don't need you. We got this guy over here that has the money. Yep. We'll give him a shot. So money talks and, and a lot of facets of life, but uh mm. Very much so in motorsport, like painfully right in your face. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some people like to speculate. Oh, well, if this kid wasn't, his parents weren't rich, would the you know, would this or that? Like in this case, it's they're like, yeah, I have a lot of money, and so I'm. Can you give me this seat? And then they say yes. It's yeah, that's kind of how it goes. Because I mean, even the people who come by it honestly are generally still uh, spending horrible amounts of money. Oh yeah. Because just seat time is so expensive. Like, yeah. He just, you want to practice, you want to get better. Like, that's the way to do it. That's the honest way to do it. But yeah. it's just so expensive. That you, just, you just can't get away from it. Yeah. And, but, but, uh, but ultimately here, I mean, I think, speaking of driver mod, I think, well, Russell really proved, uh, that he has the driver mod. He, I think so. Yeah. He, it doesn't, you know, he, he never got points before, but it's his, his, his car holding him back, uh, not uh, him. So, I mean, you know, I think it would have been just as interesting to see Hamilton versus Russell or something. But uh, but seeing where Russell was, he's at least better than Botas, who drives that car every week and has a lot of experience in it, didn't have to get up to speed at all, is, should be very comfortable in his in his car made for him. Yeah. Like it's uh, it's pretty impressive to see him kind of perform like that. I mean, I think Bodas is in a little bit of a slump, at least the second half of the season slump. But uh, but I guess that kind of leads to also uh, your uh, the psychological aspect of it. I think that's also a very very important part. Like, yeah, I mean, not getting in your own head is very important. Yeah, it's it's so easy to just psych yourself out. Like I I've done it a couple of times where I just I I think you know, I start getting down on myself like, "Oh, why didn't I break later there or whatever?" And then, you know, you you see someone come up you're inside and you're like, "Well, I I don't think I can break that late cuz I, you know, I'm struggling with that right now, so I'm just going to let this guy by." Like that kind of thing or or maybe you're trying to make the move and you just don't commit to it fully because in the back of your head and you're like, ah, I've been struggling with this break zone or something like that. So, and honestly, that's one of the things I really love about it. Yeah. About motorsport is it's, um, it's, it's a head game, Mm -hmm. but it really teaches you to like, let it go. Right. If you screw up, your mind needs to be on the next corner. Yeah. Don't there's, no getting back like you broke a little early and you scrubbed up too much speed or whatever like next thing yeah. next corner's coming up pretty quick <laughs> yeah and, you know yeah you see it all you got something to deal with you see it all too often where yeah driver loses one position and then all of a sudden they're just going backwards yeah and they just they're getting in their head they're losing momentum and it's yeah it's it's a big mental game too and yeah it's it that's what makes it yeah it it makes it still very human of a sport Mm -hmm. uh even though there's all that mechanical design and and money and all that other stuff it's still at the end of the day that guy's got to make the right decision in the car right and uh 
And in this case, Russell showed that he could make those decisions. Unfortunately, he just had a lot of bad luck. It seemed like seemed like uh, the team did everything they could to prevent from basically both <laughs> cars from, from taking a win. Yeah. <laughs> but Secretly, Lewis is in the back pulling the strings. Yeah, he just hit. He had You're like not going to win without me. Hit the... Hit the like he just called up Toto. I was like, slow them down. I've seen enough. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting to see. It's definitely a, well, Perez definitely did one heck of a kind of boost in his resume there at the end of the season. Maybe I, I know I would really like to see him in the Red Bull car. I think he could give Verstappen a run for his money. Yeah. Or at least just make it. So both Red Bulls are, are kind of, always finishing in the points <laughs> not a fan of Albon you know just knowing how many people lose the opportunity uh, to to race an F1 like he just they gave him a shot a couple a year or two and it's just I don't think it's working out and he, speaking of the mental game like he's just I don't I think he's in his head more than anyone else yeah probably but uh but also I I think from what I saw from like the uh, Formula One Drive to Survive Netflix series, mm-hmm. good uh, series by the way, very good. Um, where in that point it was Pierre Gasly getting uh, getting the scrutiny, but uh, I think it it kind of showed that maybe Christian I don't know, Christian Horner plays these weird mental games with his drivers. It seems like, or maybe their drivers are reading too much into it because I don't know this idea of Max Verstappen. He's so good. He's the greatest driver in formula one right now or something and then and then christian horner is like his biggest fan yeah <laughs> it it's probably hard to like you know jump into that team and feel like you're the you have a chance to be the number <laughs> one you already yeah. feel like a second class driver yeah you're already the number two right before you even have a chance so maybe that just gets in their head it definitely seemed to get in gasly's head i mean he but he left the team and he got his first win yeah. uh this year in the in the in the Alphatari, and uh, it's it's pretty. It, it shows that it just maybe wasn't that in that case. It just wasn't a good fit for him, and he just kept getting in his own head. And once he kind of relieved, was relieved of that stress of being in that really high pressure cooker kind of situation that is Red Bull Racing, he relaxed and gained his confidence back, and then put put down some really good performances. So yeah, yeah, and um, something else. That- that it, it could be complete speculation, right? But the the relationship between the driver and the engineer is pretty important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, communication implied or subtle. Um, you know, you you used to see it a lot uh, back back in the day, <laughs> uh, where the driver and sometimes the engineer would move. To different teams, mm-hmm. the driver would take the engineer with him. Yeah, um, and that was because you know you find someone that's a good fit, and they know what you want. They know what you mean when you say something, um, and you know it's possible that you know maybe he just had better interaction with mm-hmm. you know Alfatari or whoever he was working with there. Right? Yeah. So. Um, yeah, and that all that. Uh, that back in the day is is a reference um, for Carol Smith's book. Mm-hmm. Um, he he refers to that a lot. Um, so, 
anybody listening to this podcast will we'll refer to Carol Smith plenty of times in the future. He mm -hmm. wrote quite a few fantastic books about uh, cars. I'd recommend them. So yeah, for sure. Tune to win, drive to win, engineer, engineer to win. To win. That's yep. That's the one. I think for uh, for any of you amateurs at home, Tune to Win is going to be the uh, the best read. Yeah, definitely. Um, Drive to Win is about working your way through, uh, I guess, driving series mm -hmm. to the top. Yeah, mostly. And uh, Engineer to Win is is more engineering stuff. You know, mm -hmm. getting into the details of materials, why to use them, why not, things like that. So. Yeah. Um, for anybody at home with an amateur race car, read Tune to Win. It's a fantastic book, mm -hmm. and you'll get a lot out of it. Definitely. Definitely. Like, uh, yeah, Drive to Win's pretty good, but I think the the other book for driving is the Seat Time book. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Drive to Win's a good good resource there, but also, at the end of the day, Seat Time. <laughs> yeah. Seat Time is king. And I, I, I mean, Drive to Win is... It's a great book, and it's amazing how true it is now. Right? Mm -hmm. If you go buy the book, I think it has a, a newish, semi-recent Red Bull F1 car on it. Mm -hmm. But the book was written a little while ago. It's yeah. not a new book. Um, but in the pro racing paddock, it's like it's a script. <laughs> like It is so true, it blew my mind. Um <laughs> Yeah, it was. It's just crazy. So, I mean, it, it's a good book. It's an interesting book. Um, but anybody just at home trying to go fast, yeah, tune to win. If I had to pick one, I'd say tune to win. Setting up your car, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, very important. Um, yeah, even you know, in, in Spec Miata, we all have the same car, but and yet some people's cars just seem faster. I mean, some of that, of course, is the driver mod, but. Other other people, it's it's a combination of driver mod and then setting up your car right to take advantage of that driver mod. So yeah, yeah, it's absolutely. very very important. Um, but uh, but yeah, I guess talking more on the engineer to win side, uh, kind of our one of our next topics here is uh, recently, Eric here while at one of his uh, racing events, he got got a chance to look at the uh, the new Supra GT4 car. Yeah. And uh, did indeed. got to kind of crawl all over it, take a look, and see what it's going to uh, kind of how he thinks it's going to do next season in, uh, in IMSA. And I mean, it's it's already been around the world uh, in kind of some of the Europe series, but uh, it's, it's making its IMSA debut uh, next year with uh, Riley, right? Yep. Yeah, that's my understanding anyway, is mm. Riley's bought a car, maybe two, um, and they'll be... They'll be racing it. Um, honestly, I'm a huge fan of that car. I love it. Um, and at a cool starting, one hundred ninety thousand mm -hmm. dollars. It's one of the cheapest GT4 cars. Um, yeah, I've been I've been trying to work on deal. my uh, employee discount for that. Maybe, you should maybe the, the the lease program there, but it's, you should yeah work a little harder because yeah. it's an awesome car. Yeah, so far no luck, but I'll, I'll keep it up. Maybe maybe I can get some kind of Christmas gift from from work or something. Toyota, that'd be nice. Yeah. That'd be real nice. I'll take care of it for you. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, looking at this car, it's got um, it's got all the fancy race bits uh, that you might want to see on it. Um, I don't have my 
my pictures of the car in front of me. But, you know, if, I, if memory serves, it's got Bosch ABS. Um, just as an example, you know, it's, it's a fancy part. Yeah, right? and you were, um, you were telling me about how just, like, they, they, the details were there, the, the, the comfort the, and working on it, the ease of... Yeah, exactly. It's, I mean, it's done by Gazi Racing. Of course. Um, they've Big done name. some pretty high-level... <laughs> Motorsport cars for Toyota. Yes. Um, and you can tell they know what they're doing. It's it's done by people who race. You know, it's um, generally incredibly easy to work on. Uh, you know, the front with McPherson struts, some of that stuff's tucked away. So it might be a little pain to tune your front mm-hmm. shock or your damping. Um, but for the most part, that, that car is beautifully set up uh, to work on. Um, and for drivers and crew to be able to do things quickly, mm-hmm. um, and clearly it's, uh, honestly, it, it's, I mean, it's a real race car, but it's a, it's a really good race car. Yeah. Um, yeah. Having, you it, know, and I mean, it's just all the small details that, you know, it's, it's a little, uh, strange to explain, um, if you haven't seen other. Yeah, I guess. Full race cars, but, you know, I mean, like the fuel cell set up, um, mm-hmm. just all these basic things, you know. Yeah, like uh, having you know, had some experience with the, the Cayman GT4 car, like what mm-hmm. were some little things that you noticed that were different? I mean, this is at least front suspension is, is similar, McPherson strut. Yeah. Uh, with mul- But then multi-link rear instead of the good old McPherson rear that the Cayman has. But Yeah. But as far as like, uh, you know, like ergonomics or maybe electronics, was it? Did it seem to be a much more kind of unified package there? Uh, Yes and no, I guess, in terms of unified. Uh, The Porsche, I think, did a fantastic job at most of that GT4 car is stock. Like, a very surprising amount. (laughs) You could, if you broke parts, you could go to the Porsche dealership and just get replacements. It's awesome uh, for that. But there were there were a few things that you know made you scratch your head, um, and one of them I already sort of mentioned on the Supra was the fuel cell. Um, just not not a fan. It was more of a box. It didn't uh, the way the fuel was loaded into the cell. Generally, they have these internal containers and baffles and everything. So, mm-hmm. um, so your sensors are more linear when you're reading, depending on how you're reading. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the Porsche one never seemed to be that consistent, Okay. honestly. Um, we could get different capacities from fuel drops if the car was hot or if it wasn't. Okay. Um, and that's really going to screw you up. Yeah, it does. <laughs> you know, and, and supposedly what I've heard, I don't know if this is the actual reason, but um, that bladder that sits inside the fuel cell is relatively stiff mm-hmm. so fuel safe bladder meant to like make sure the car doesn't blow up if something happens so that's important um but it gets hot and it sort of relaxes and then it fills in the creases of the fuel cell supposedly um but i mean it, it's not just that right it's it's um how they did the whole internals mm-hmm. with the doors and the baffling and the ceiling of it on you the, know, the Toyota? 
Uh, oh, you're saying it, it was good on the Toyota. Yeah, yeah, not, not good. Not, not good on, the on the Cayman. Um, like the Cayman looks like they had a uh, an intern do it. Um, or maybe someone who just started a Porsche. Yeah, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, just to destroy their career. Um, but it, it, I, I mean, it just wasn't good. Um, and the Supras seemed like a something meant for a race car. It's hmm. what's used in most real race cars, mm-hmm. right? GT3 or up. Um, yeah, I think uh, I forget. Didn't doesn't also like the the driver kind of ergonomics are really nice. Does it have an adjustable pedal box? Yep. Yeah, it's adjustable pedal box, which is great. I think um, the steering wheel setup was pretty nice on it. It was sweet. I mean, all all of it was sweet, right? Uh, the one I was looking at had two screens. I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's you know you expect the the drivers to be able to tailor the steering or I guess their ergonomics to them tailor mm-hmm. it to themselves. Um, but the way they do that is different and I'm a much bigger fan of the sliding pedal box. Yes. Um, mostly because you can solid mount the seat, which is safer mm-hmm. and it's going to be a little stiffer, right? Yeah, you just have fewer joints in there. Yep. Um, it can be a little better for driver feel kind of yeah. that seat of the pants feel while you can, yeah, it's more direct. You're not losing it through some wobbling, and and mm. you feel more directly bolted into that car. You can feel the car a little better instead of maybe some of it being drowned out by the seat, kind of moving around a bit more. Yeah. But um. Yeah, but so I mean, I in general, I uh, I mean, it, I mean, it's really hard to give you any more examples just because I loved the whole car, the whole package, yeah. right? You know, the, the brakes were pretty good, um, but you can't really compare that to the Porsche, I don't think. Um, in terms of components, mm-hmm. uh, I would say the Supra's, the name brand mm-hmm. was there mm-hmm. for the stuff they had and the stuff they used. From, you know, calipers to master cylinder to the whole pedal box, right? It, it, it was fancy stuff. Um, yeah. But Porsche's really because of the vehicle layout uh generally you have the best brakes so that it it's hard to compare right like uh, this one looks nicer but i can almost promise you that the porsche will brake better yeah just kind of kinematically yeah weight distribution wise it can't really get better than a, a mid-engine car for for braking yeah yeah exactly um but what i am really excited about for this supra for the next season is um well, a, it's turboed, mm-hmm. right? Um, but what that means to me uh, is that the power can be changed easily. So for anyone at home, uh, there's a IMSA uses a BOP or balancer performance to try and keep the racing close. Um, but what you'll see sometimes is if one of the cars just from the manufacturer isn't as fast as another car. They try and give you some BOP. They take some weight out or they let you add more camber. It, it all depends on their analysis of, you know, the race and where you were slow mm-hmm. and how to correct that, right? Like there's multiple things that go into it, but lots of times you find yourself, um, or not lots of times, but sometimes you'll find your find yourself 
wanting more power. Mm-hmm. The naturally aspirated engine car, you might be stuck, right? Yeah. Uh, right now, the Camaros and I'm sure the Mustangs are naturally aspirated and they use restrictors. So mm-hmm. if they needed more power, they'd just have a larger restrictor. The Porsche had no restrictor. So there's no so upward stuck. mobility there. So they just ended up taking more weight, taking more weight out. Yep. Yeah, we just kept taking weight out. Just <laughs> taking more weight out every but time. But still got smoked on the straights. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Um, so, you know, every time I see a turbo car, even though I'm, a, I, mean, I love the sound of that flat six, um, and I love V8s, right? <laughs> but uh, for understanding that BOP is going to be used. Mm-hmm. I prefer turbo cars for racing. Yeah. Um, just because you can stick your little thumb drive in the car. <laughs> this is the high boost tune yep. mm-hmm. and you send it, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I think that's going to be great. And I think with the super bring a new car to IMSA, I think it's going to do really well next year. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, we were talking about before kind of, Whenever a new car shows up, they're they're kind of predispos like predispossessed to uh, kind of give it a little a little more because they want the manufacturer to stick around. They want them to sell maybe more cars, so they stick around. Um, and then on top of that, I mean, it's a new car to the series. The team's going to be getting up to speed to it, so it's not it's not going to be super fast right out of the box because you know seat time and experience are. As we said, very important. So as as they set up the car better and better for the drivers who are getting more and more time in it, it'll get faster as the season goes on without really the car itself getting faster as far as the horsepower, the the weight, or right. anything. Yeah, like they'll that. just the team will understand the car better. Yeah, the team will just get faster uh, as a whole, and so you, you know maybe you give it a more favorable BOP at the beginning of the season so they can keep up. Mm-hmm. But as soon as they dial it in, then it's going to, you know, get the smack down. They're just kind of going to run away with it. And then, you know, then you, then you bop them again, but you know, maybe they don't immediately do it and it takes a little bit. Yeah. I mean, they, they don't do a bop, uh, every race. They, it's an aggregate of a few races, so it doesn't happen immediately. Yeah. Um, and generally with a new car, it'll, if you do it well, if the team gets up to speed and controls their pace well, mm-hmm. uh, the bop will come too late in the season and they should already be able to win the championship. Yeah. But uh, I, I do want to make it clear that I, I don't think they just give it to the manufacturer. No, no, no. It's just that the car hasn't been run in the series before, so you have to start somewhere. And because you want to keep business there you'd rather undershoot and then work your way up than overshoot like overbop this car yeah and then all of a sudden it it's just you know horrible yeah no out of the gate and then nobody wants it and then in this case you know with the super just because that's what we're talking about you know toyota would be pissed (laughs) because Yeah, the car just shows up and sucks, but not because of anything they did, right? It's just yeah. bopped. Um, you know, so I, I think the series generally does a pretty good job. Um, you know, it's just if you have to 
go to one of those extremes, you know, or if you have to lean to one side of overdoing it or underdoing it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with a new car, you want to underdo it. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's been, we've seen it many times before. If anyone's been following, I guess, IMSA for a while, like, I guess one was uh, the four GTs, um, you know, because GTLM is a very highly balanced class. It's all manufacturers, all pros. So it's it's very clear to see when one car is outperforming the others. Uh, so, I mean, Ford, eh, yeah, you could, eh, you could see it. Some people <laughs> say there was some sandbagging throughout the season. And, yeah, you know, maybe it was more just like we said, them getting developing the car in that case it's not a, it's not a turnkey car that just that they're selling as a customer car and that it's their factory kind of racing program and they're yeah gtlm cars are not on the same scale for anybody listening as a gt4 car yes so so they're still developing the car itself it's not a turnkey package there it's it's all bespoke basically yep and so in that case, you know, they're still figuring out. It's a new team, too. They haven't been around, like, a million years like Corvette Racing has. And so, you know, you see it, you know, Corvette shows up, and, yeah, they're going to win Daytona or whatever that year, and the Fords aren't even going to finish, which, you know, it's just not a surprise. It's it's a new car. Yeah. I mean, how the new C8s didn't do well at Daytona. No, no. But Daytona v1 part, part one yeah <laughs> when imza mysteriously redid daytona yes yeah they, uh, they did well yeah yeah so it's it's just the nature of the game yeah and then and then they show up to Le Mans their first time and you know maybe through all the qualifying and everything they just didn't really uh you know, that did. seemed like they let some sand out of the bed yeah that one was a little much but i mean ferrari did it too so it wasn't it's not like yeah. ford's being some kind of i think it was, super villain here if everyone's you, trying memory, to do it yeah well if memory serves that was the first year of turbo cars yes um so controlling that bop since it was the first year giving the series a benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. um you know they hadn't done that before so maybe that's where some learnings came in um, yeah, and because yeah, both the Ferrari, the 488, and the uh, the Ford GT were both turboed, and I think that was the first year for both of them. Yep. And and uh, I, I one thing I remember now is uh, also I think the, the 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 practice day where they a lot of times kind of do some bop adjustments after that. It was a war- much warmer that weekend, and then the actual race was an abnormally cool uh, cool weekend, and. Uh, highly benefited the turbo cars just because they could much easier control their cylinder temps and and just basically got free boost from the the denser air i mean they still had to keep it to a limit but at that boost level they're making a higher percentage more power than the naturally aspirated vehicle would be so it seemed to just really benefit the turbo cars both of them that in that case and then maybe they also kind of missed the bop on both of them not understanding how those turbo cars work especially when you go into the night there too, because that's right. a pretty unique part of a 24 hour race. Right. Well, and I mean that year too, I believe when they missed the bop, then they realized they missed it. That was the, the first time I noticed a secondary emergency bop. Yes. Later in the weekend. Yeah. After qualifying, uh, <laughs> all the other teams complained. Understandably. Yeah. For like a second over a second faster. Yeah. Um, so then they they added some some BOP to the the 
Ford and maybe the Ferrari too. I think so. Um, it wasn't much. It wasn't enough. <laughs> yeah, they they ran away with it. Um, so some cynics out there say it's because it was the Ford v Ferrari. Yeah, it was fiftieth anniversary, anniversary of their original win yeah. at Le Mans. So Ford Sells. stuffed the FIA. Coffers full of cash and yeah, or Ferrari, dude. I don't know. Yeah, could be. Why could you got to bring Ford into it? <laughs> oh, no reason. No reason. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's but but going back, there's just you know a lot of things can happen with Bob. It, it can be tough with a new car that they're they're basically making it faster every weekend without actually you know adding kind of numbers to it, weights yeah. and horsepowers and stuff. So. Um, it's always a moving target, and uh, and and I think that's why a lot of people give give BOP a, a bad a bad rap. They they just they think it's ruining the show, but I don't know. Without it, it'd probably just be one team winning, yeah, every race. And we see how that happens in Formula One, and people don't like that either. So, yeah. what can you do? Yeah, I guess no it, one's ever happy. Yeah, I guess if it's the team you want that's winning every single race, then you know. You're gonna be Sick. happy, but not not everyone's rooting for that team. So, yeah. but you know, what are you gonna do? Uh, <laughs> sit here and complain about it on a podcast, I guess. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yes. But that's what I would do. Yeah, that's why I think it's a great idea. <laughs> but um, before we before we move on, we I talked about how much I love that Supra GT4. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, but I do want to note with the McPherson front, mm. McPherson is lighter. Yes. Fewer components. Cheaper. Cheaper. Um, it's okay. Uh, the negatives with it though, are that you have stubby little instant centers. Mm-hmm. Um, and not great control and just not great in general uh, anti-dive mm. under braking. Um, so those are two things that I think uh, Riley will have to deal with. Mm-hmm. You know, Same things um, you had to deal with the Cayman. Yeah, honestly. Um, and, it, and it's not to say they can't be overcome, but they're challenges. And when you get the car worked out, like when they have a year and a half or two years Mm -hmm. and they've dialed it in when they're just trying to refine that last little knob Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. this is that last little knob it's what they're just not going to be able to nail down perfectly you know what i mean because they're coming from that mercedes which i believe is double double wishbread front i think so and you know it's just yeah it's there's a reason why most you know formula cars and that kind of stuff have that set up i mean it's it's as far as a road car perspective, it's harder to package. It takes a lot more room up, mm-hmm. uh, especially the, versus the McPherson. It's going to be a lot, you know, more components versus the McPherson, so cost more. Uh, but what it gives you is that much nicer camber curve. Um, yeah, and it, it's it's also tunable from like the instant center. It, well, they're they're going to be much. They're much longer. Much longer. So when you go over, um, anybody who's not super technical, um, the instant center is where the wheel end is rotating about. Um, and those will combine with contact patches and lines to give you a, a roll center at some point. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. 
but the incident center just think of it as one corner of the car um, so if you have an instant center that's close the wheel is going to want to move a lot more aggressively uh, if you have one that's far away not so much so let's say you're going around turn 17 the last corner i believe at sebring mm -hmm. uh very bumpy the car with McPherson is going to be much more of a pain to drive hmm. than the one with Because basically the whole wheel's kind of kind of moving a lot more around in a few different directions sort of versus just the up and down you want. It's kind of, is it kind of shifting more almost when you're looking at it rotating? It's kind of. It's a, it's a more, it's going to bounce around more, I guess. Okay. So. Uh, and then I guess the the other the one thing McPherson kind of struggles with is is gaining camber and bump. Yeah, McPherson's pretty linear, um, so your camber curve is not even linear; it's pretty flat. Yeah, you're not really going to gain or lose much camber. Yeah, um, and notice I said much; it it exists. Yes, you yes, um, but it's way less than you can set up a double wishbone for. Yes. And then when you're in a series that dictates a maximum static camber, that is a downside. Yes. Because right? you can't go much more than that. So. Yeah. yeah. And then, and there's a couple other little things like uh, McPherson can tend to have a little, it kind of binds a little bit more because you're, you're asking this damper to normally that's just a, a two force member. It's just going, uh, compression and tension uh you're then asking it you're, you're introducing some bending forces into it and you know shocks don't really like to be bent so it's it can yeah it can add usually motorsports dampers are set up as designed to be able to take that kind of bending force so it's not really it's not going to yeah. be a problem structurally just maybe there's a little more stiction there yeah and you know that depends on too like i think there's going to be more stiction but they do a lot to try and eliminate that mm-hmm and then the final effect really depends on in what direction. Yes. You know, um, like for instance, when you're turning, um, you know, because the strut is connected to the, uh, the upright, right? Or the knuckle, whatever you mm -hmm. want to call it. Um, it tries to rotate the strut. So mm, if yeah. you don't have a bearing at the top, which some production cars don't, um, you have a lot more friction um, when you're steering, and it sort of yeah, it helps hurt your steering feel. Okay, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, now all the motorsports ones I've seen have nice roller bearings up there, but yes. um, I guess the point is there's there should be more stiction. I would assume there will be, but mm -hmm. the approach to how to deal with it or what you can do to deal with it depends on the direction that you're talking about yeah um, and sometimes you're just limited you know yeah so these are these are all things that uh i mean i, I imagine riley motorsports has dealt with mcpherson cars at some point over the course of their their time yeah they've been around cars. for a minute so so but yeah but as far as from season to season the crew that they have they're gonna have to like, get up to speed with everything there it's just it's, it's very different that maybe the little tricks they used before to get to get the setup right and then also the driver too, the feedback they give is just going to be different now. It's going to have to be, mm -hmm. and yeah. And then once they, once they get up to speed, then 
yeah, I'm sure it'll be very, very quick. And then maybe the bop will work out for him. But, uh, but yeah, but until then, uh, I guess, but next season, hopefully we get to see those cars out there. It'll be, it's always good to see a new car. Uh, it is. It is. And I'll be really interested to see, uh, what Riley does with it. You know, I think it'll be, I think it'll be sweet. I think it's pretty promising. And despite the downfalls we just discussed, um, I think it'll do pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but, uh, moving down to cheaper cars though. Yeah. Just in case you can't afford the legitimately cheap out of the rest of the field, $190,000 GT4 car starting. Um, I, I believe last time we briefly mentioned, um, that you never finished a car, but you're building a chump car. <laughs> yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. 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 There's a, you know, it's with kind of like BOP and everything, there's certain cars kind of fit into it a little better. So champ car kind of has its own built in BOP. It doesn't, it doesn't really change during the season or anything, but the, you know, it's, it's a point based system for, for those of you who don't know. And each car is valued at a, at a base level, uh, and then they are allowed to add mods that are that cost certain amount of points, and they're basically all the way up to 500, which is your your max before you start getting penalty laps. So past there, you're getting you know, for a normal length seven eight hour race, you're getting uh, one penalty lap per 10 points at that point. So it it's going to be hard to find something a mod that's 10 points that's going to give you a lapse performance uh, over uh, over a race. So for the most part, that's kind of your diminishing returns point. You want to, you want to keep under 500, uh, but it's still possible to, to win over 500. But, uh, but knowing that, uh, when I was looking at a car with the being, being the, the engineer I am and wanting to try to find the kind of the most absurd car anyone could even consider mm. trying to race an endurance series. Uh, but maybe because of that, maybe the points were a little low on it. Uh, I chose a Mitsubishi Starion. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was, that's, the car's older than me. Um, it's, 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 it's old. Yeah. Definitely I mean, not the most yeah. well-known car, but it's, it's kind of the, probably one of the first, it's one of the, one of the first Mitsubishis that kind of showed up in, in America that was branded as a Mitsubishi. A lot, a lot of Chryslers were kind of, they call them gray imports where they, they ship across on a boat and they show up in the port and someone's like, oh, why doesn't this have a badge? And then some Chrysler guy walks up and accidentally drops a badge right into the, the center of the car there yeah, smacks a pen of star on it yeah calls it calls it done oh yeah. we just we built this so you know because back then my friend is a plymouth arrow yes <laughs> yeah let's not talk about that uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh there's uh so so it's one of those you know there's people might know the chrysler conquest they might have seen those around there they're less rare than the star and as far as the numbers uh it was, it was almost i think four to one as far as every star on per conquest maybe it was three to one but uh but i found myself a genuine mitsubishi star and thought you know what this will be great for budget endurance endurance racing because i mean the first thing you think of when you think mitsubishi is reliability i mean they absolutely they're they're just like known for it. everyone everyone knows it everyone i know 
who loves Evos, <laughs> says they're so reliable. Super reliable. Never have to work on them. DSMs, Mitsubishi Eclipses and Talons, and those are also known for their reliability. Yeah, Very... they don't blow up. No, they're they indestructible, basically. You can't, yeah. can't go wrong. But, yeah, so... And, you know, turbo cars, I was just saying, turbo cars, great for, for racing. Like, it's great for bop and all that stuff. I mean, maybe it doesn't apply to champ yeah, car. maybe it doesn't apply when you don't really have a moving bop. Yeah, but, you know, we were just, you know, you were just telling me how great turbo cars are <laughs> for racing. So, uh, naturally, yeah. I think turbo cars, I mean, they rack up so many wins in these budget endurance series because, uh, you know, everyone always talks about how yeah, they can't, they they can't uh they don't can't keep their engine hot enough or their coolant hot enough well i got i got the solution for you there it's a turbocharged engine yeah it'll get it up there real fast and nice. uh there's this little thing called heat soak that uh it's always nice to to uh, to have in your car everyone loves it you know mm-hmm. when you're and when your intercooler gets to the same temperature as the outlet of your turbo well, you know, it's it's probably still working, right? You know, it's still that's how that works. Yeah, that's how that works. The temperature uh, differential is zero. It's hey, man, still... you have cold air passing over it. Yeah, as long as you're still driving straight. <laughs> so yeah, I I basically chose the the hardest possible, and maybe it was because I'm trying to never. I just don't want to finish the car ever, but yeah, by making it as hard as possible. Because the easy way is to just grab an E30 Miata, any of the well proven cars out there. Mm-hmm. and just uh and just go race it which i ended up doing with the spec miata but uh but as far as my my champ car efforts i'm still uh stuck with this uh starion but then but then i thought you know what why not have two so now i have two uh but this one's caged already so it was already racing if you can call it that so you only have two uh, well, you know, parts cars don't count. Okay. Parts okay. cars don't count. I mean, you can't, you can't, I can't just go to the local AutoZone and be like, I need another, I need a turbo for a 1988 Mitsubishi Starion. They're just gonna, they're gonna be like, huh? What is that? And then they're gonna search it and nothing's gonna come up. So, or if it does come up, it's gonna be $6,000 for a turbo or something like that. But yeah, nobody wants that. So, you know, you gotta, I basically scoured the the Midwest of, of all the conquests and starions I could find to be able to put together one running one, but yeah. still haven't been able to do that. Well, that's off to a great start. Yes. So, so tell me more about the, the caged one you bought. Ready to go. Why aren't you racing that right now? Well, you know, it's it's just the engine was kind of pre-blown up. It's how they yeah. come sometimes. It's it's hard. It's hard. I mean, not that it's hard to keep those engines together in an endurance racing scenario, but uh, but, you know, sometimes things happen. So yeah, it was it was a lemons car, uh, and I had pr- picked it up because, uh, as uh, far as I could tell, at least it was somewhat finished. But yeah, it was a little worse off than I thought. So out goes the engine, and that's another project for the winter. But hopefully, she'll be ready to go for the next season. Yeah, it'd be nice. Yeah. So speaking of Champ Car, uh, Champ Car just had a had a race this past weekend here. Yeah, VIR. Uh, yeah, VIR. It's like we said last uh, last week, it was the uh, one of the, the second race we did together ever. Uh, got to drive down during the winter in in Michigan. Went went to went to Virginia. A little bit warmer. It was there. a beautiful break from fucking Michigan winter. <laughs> Super cold. Yeah. 
So it's yeah, awesome. go down south, do a little racing. It, honestly, anybody who lives up north, it's a the best way to take a break <laughs> in the winter. I highly recommend it. Oh yeah, yeah, and and if you can go even more south, Atlanta, Florida, all good stuff. Yeah. But uh, Virginia was pretty nice that weekend, and uh, and this weekend, uh, just kind of following the race a little bit. Uh, we we talked last week, kind of two of our favorites were the the Huggins, uh, Huggins Racing Team, as well as the, the 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 new boys, the MK Motorsports, who just have taken Champ Car by storm, basically. Yeah. Um, and lo and behold, I think we. At least, uh, at least on Sunday here, we ended up with both names on the podium, but maybe not. Uh, but we got a surprise winner up, uh, up at up at the top, a flat out nemesis in their 2009 Miata. So that's NC. We don't we don't see those too often in uh, in Champ Car, but I think starting to see more and more of them. I I do think we will see more and more of them. You know, um, in the Miata world. We all make fun of the NC for being a boat, but I think it's probably a pretty decent uh, jump car. You know, two liter, bit more power, bit easier to, you know, get some lap time out of. Yep. For for us AM drivers, um, so. Yeah, and newer stuff just. Yeah. It usually comes with, I mean, it'll have ABS. It'll have just a lot of the nice creature comforts that come along with newer cars and, and driver aids too, potentially, which sometimes can work against you in a, in a uh, one of these cars where you're modifying a lot of it. But uh, in this case, it seems like it's a pretty good package. And yeah, they looks like they, they got the win with, uh, it looks like pinky's out here getting second kind of where you'd expect them but usually on at the top step though and then mk motorsports getting third uh so That's a little disappointing yeah I, even seven hour races usually can favor those d-class cars because maybe they can stretch their fuel but if, if they weren't able if they had to do an extra pit stop then that probably could have been the difference there right uh, especially with a shorter shorter track like that uh, pit yeah. stops can be more a couple more laps than than other uh, other places but but uh yeah and then fourth we have where's john they've been around champ car i think for a while actually i don't think i've seen him in a while especially up up at the front there and then uh flat six racing so we got a porsche boxster yeah. which you know we see more and more of those in champ car but uh, that's i think it's a new one that i've seen uh, up there but but uh but yeah Vera North's a pretty good layout. I I liked. I I definitely prefer the the full course. Yeah, um, yeah. If I had to scale all their courses, mm-hmm. North would be second after the full course. Um, but yeah, I prefer it because all their other courses, North, South, and Patriot. Um, and these are the normal ones. So they have the Grand Course, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but North, South, and Patriot all avoid the S's. Yep. Very disappointing. Very disappointing. It's kind of climbing S's are it's like sweet. a signature move of yeah. of VIR. And I mean the 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 south course gets a little bit of it, but they don't get the part that you want and you kinda of come into it at a different point. Yeah. That you don't really get to experience the way it, it should be experienced. Mm-hmm. And and uh yeah, it's but but the North Layout, yeah, I'd say is also my second favorite there. Um 
But uh, yeah, it's it's. I would have liked to to been out there, of course, this weekend. It's it's a race I, you know, we've done before. But you know, it's uh, maybe next year. Maybe next year we can do that one. But yeah, but yeah, it's good to it's good to see some new kind of new faces up at the front. Seems like it was a pretty decent turnout. Maybe we still got the big the big old Rona kind of over over our shoulders that I'm sure affected a lot of people racing this year especially in the in in this cheaper series so yeah especially in the cheaper series you know I, I know some of the professional series got a little bit of leeway because they're professional sports teams you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um so even early in the rona when uh you know sport teams like your favorite football team went back um professional race teams were allowed to go back you know they could fly around do whatever um not so much for for hobbyists, you know. Yep. Yeah. So, so it did hit the uh, the smaller smaller groups a little harder. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and also, I believe we also had at Coda, uh, as we we kind of talked about last week. Coda, we had uh, we had WRL racing as well. That's right. Um, and like faster cars. Much faster, as I'm seeing. It looks like most of the top is. I mean, of course, their top class is going to be be shown up there. But we got teams like wheel to wheel racing and automatic racing, which I believe are all running GT4 cars now. That's kind of so. Maybe maybe we'll see that super in there in a couple of years after after the, the some of those race series get tired of them. Yeah, maybe. You know, I I know um, wheel to wheel racing was running the Porsche Cayman um, GT4. I believe they have the newest one, or the most recent one, mm-hmm. right? The 918MR, mm-hmm. anti-racing edition. Um, you know, it has a bit more aero and whatnot. Um, and, the, I mean, that car is still fairly new, yeah. right? We we saw they had the 718, um, not MR edition, just the 718 for a little while, Um but I think the the MR edition was only out for a year until they got it. Mm-hmm. I think, um, so you know we're, we're starting to see some more real race cars show up there. Yeah, well, yeah. it's only a matter of time. Now, I do think I sort of already mentioned this with the Porsche, but they did a great job of using stock parts or OE parts. Mm-hmm. So maybe these teams will just try and stick with cars that are heavily production based. Yeah, you know. Nobody wants to uh, end up having to replace a racing gearbox or a racing differential. Of course. Which is what some other cars like the Mercedes or the Camaro. Or the, yeah, the Camaro has the X-Track in there, right? Yep. That's, uh, that's uh, for those of you who don't know, that just means a lot of money. <laughs> yes. Expensive. Yes. You know, magnesium cased. I don't know if that one is, but, you know, magnesium cased sequential racing transmissions that normally only see in like prototype cars you now have to change out in your camaro so that that would definitely be not preferred if you can i mean of course it's not like a porsche pdk is gonna gonna be you know only a couple bucks it's still gonna cost you but at least you can go to the dealer and maybe if you're super lucky like some junkyard somewhere somewhere (laughs) i'd be pretty lucky but yeah you know i've seen a couple of them with rebuilt titles you could probably buy cheap and yeah Use it as a part of yeah. yeah. So, but uh, 
but yeah, it's, I mean, one thing, one thing we talked about is finding these GT4 cars in these lower, let's say, you know, not prof- non-professional series. Um, you know, I've also often thought like, well, if you have this GT4 car, why wouldn't you just go to IMSA or, uh, SRO world challenge? Yeah. But well, here they are. But as we said, like uh, entry fees for WRL going to be way cheaper <laughs> than IMSA. Yeah. So, I mean, you get to, you get to still drive a really fast car, all, although not with slicks on it, unfortunately. Uh, but still very fast. Uh, sequential transmissions are, you know, paddle shifted and, you know, it's, it's not full race cars. They're still production based, but, um, but still very close to, you know, basically as close as you can get yeah. before you get into those kind of more bespoke GT3 cars. Yeah, I mean, uh, those GT3 cars are like north of 800 grand. Yes. So, so that's starting to get into the, uh, that's, into the, not even, we're, we're way past one percenters and we're going into the point one percenters, maybe even further. <laughs> but, you're telling me you have to be higher than the one percent to buy an $800,000 thing and, and be okay with writing it off. Yes. <laughs> Just throwing it around track and putting it in the wall and being okay with buying a replacement. Yeah, probably. I, I don't know. I, I feel like the loan sharks would catch up to you pretty quick if you weren't. But what if you win? Can I get a loan shark to get off my ass? <laughs> if I buy a GT4 car and win with it? No, I don't think that's how that works. I think they might charge you for the trophies in them. So I don't know. Probably. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Seems they just want to charge you for everything if they can. But, um, but anyway, so that's... That some of the uh, amateur racing uh, this weekend. Also, there was a, I think Lemons was supposed to be uh, at Road Amer- or Road Atlanta this weekend, but uh, they canceled due to COVID. Um, but instead, I guess you know, it's not bad enough for NASA to, to sneak <laughs> in there. Yeah, they're okay with <laughs> it. They're okay with it, I guess. Uh, I think they had a they had an event. I don't know if it was like a later planned one, but. Uh, I just know because some of the guys in my in my region and in, in Spec Miata went there, and uh, they also had a couple races there. Looked like mostly maybe in region people that that filled out the podium, which is kind of what you'd expect. They got they've done the track a lot more. It's it's like their gingerman uh, yeah. potentially if you, if you're in that area. I'm sure I'd I'd make Road Atlanta my gingerman if I could. Oh hell yeah! But I, uh, I do love Road Road Atlanta. Yeah. So it's a great track. So yeah, that's another another event. Um, I mean, those are those will probably be the same guys I'll be racing against uh, in Florida uh, next year for the nationals. So I'll have to pay attention. Pay attention. Yeah, it sounds like maybe you want some more practice. Yeah, done in Daytona. It looks like my region guys got got the old bop down. Yeah, they got smacked. <laughs> so, uh, so hopefully. Uh, Hopefully it was just maybe not a good weekend for them, and because if I'm if I'm barely almost to the front of my region, uh, <laughs> I might have a lot more work cut out for me if, if they're not even close to <laughs> to those guys. But yeah, you never I I wasn't there, so it's hard to say exactly what uh, what what happened. Uh, but 
but yeah, so that kind of that covers all the amateur racing we were paying attention to this weekend. Um, it's basically winding down now. It's there's not too many races left in most series, although it's, there is one series planning on doing an ice race. Ah, yes, yes. Grid life. Good old grid life. Grid life is, uh, you know, it's something we haven't gotten to experience yet. Um, Very unfortunately, honestly. Yeah. I, um, I tried to sign up ooh, a couple years ago, and they gave me a slot because um, you had to request. Well, it sells out almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, but they save a couple tickets um, for cool guys to show up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or gals. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you write in and... Maybe you have like a podcast or something. Yeah, that's maybe. Really popular. Listen to my nerd podcast. <laughs> uh, no, but you write in and tell them what your car is and what your experience level is and whatnot. And if they like it, they'll give you a spot. And I, I had the opportunity, but um, they save like 10 tickets. And then this, these are not exact numbers. Mm-hmm. Just for... All you out there, this is yeah. a approximation. But they save like ten tickets, and they'll tell like twenty people out of the however many who wrote in, you're good to go. Mm-hmm. So I was one of the people they I was told I was good to go, but I was living my best Pratt Miller life mm-hmm. and got out of a meeting a few hours later, and those fucking tickets were sold out. <laughs> so you know, um, and now I. I would only want to go as a competitor. Um, when mm-hmm. I first heard about it, I wanted to go as anything. Yeah. Because um, it sounds awesome. Uh, I love electronic music. <laughs> I really do. Uh, obviously, <laughs> I like cars and racing cars. Um, it sounds like a, a great and place for me to go. And On top of everything, at least the main festival is at Gingerman. Yeah, which is... As long as you can run a sub one forty, the greatest track in the world. <laughs> um, but I mean, so it. I wanted to go either way. I couldn't get anybody to go with me for the first year I tried. So then the next year is when I tried to sign up as a competitor, which is when that happened. And now it's so big. Uh, honestly, I wouldn't go as anything but a competitor, just because. If you're a driver, you get real bathrooms and real showers and <laughs> away from the riffraff. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's so big that it's like, oh no, I wanna I wanna be with, with drivers. Yep. I wanna drive. <laughs> yeah. And now I have got rid of my my track car and mm-hmm. parted it out, so so yeah, now I'm just doing now just on two wheels and four small, very small wheels. Very small wheels, but a full set of slicks for the cart cost two hundred dollars, so <laughs> it's hard to complain. No, it's definitely better in that department. Yeah, um, but yeah, like uh, grid life is. I, I think I've gotten a lot more interested in it this year as they really uh, their wheel to wheel racing really took off this year. It did. Um, yeah, I think they're up to seventy, eighty competitors at some events and. That's all like single class sprint racing kind of stuff. So that's that's a lot of people to have. At least I think it's that many. 
that's a lot of people to have on you know one track racing for a short period of time sprint racing they all should be relatively close performance although the cars are very different so you know, the guys in the back maybe aren't building to the rules they're just bringing something they want to they want to race i mean yeah. i think i seen i saw one car at lemons that was also <laughs> at the grid life uh, event there so um and they weren't the fastest car in lemons so i imagine they weren't they the fastest car in grid certainly life. weren't the fastest car in grid life. no but uh but it's it's about bringing what running what you brung getting some seat time always important yeah most important and like, important thing. even if you're not racing and for first, you're still racing someone out there. I'm sure there's still someone that's going to be around your speed in out there that you can have a, some good battles with. So, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm, uh, moderately competitive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, generally when I race, I want to race to win, but it doesn't happen a hundred percent of the time. And, you know, uh, Building that racecraft, as we've already sort of, you know, talked about, is is important. So, if you're fighting for fifth, you're still fighting. Yeah. You know, you're still working on that racecraft. So, you know, good for them. Good for them getting out there on track and yeah. You know, getting some practice and learning and. Yeah, and uh, and if I ever finish the uh, the Starion, I've, I've had thoughts of maybe trying to run it. And a little bit of a couple of grid life events too being a turbo car it's a little easier to fit into power weight class because i could just figure out decide what power i want to run that weekend so yeah i just turn it up so or or down hey <laughs> now you're thinking <laughs> but uh uh but yeah it's uh it's yeah it's been something i'm following I, there's there's some some guys that have some good youtube videos out there that cover uh, like the time attack as well as some guys that are covering the wheel to wheel stuff too and it's it's interesting the the cars are pretty cool they're a little bit faster than your typical like champ car style cars and you know they fall into i think a lot of them fall into like st5 and nasa like that kind of so the some of the cars are from nasa some of the cars are from scca and then some are bespoke for the series so it's just a lot of people coming together and jumping on board this new kind of growing series it's definitely picking up a lot of steam yeah i mean it's it's exciting you know, especially to to me. You know, I would love to go race and then rage <laughs> at a rave right after and watch some drifters. Watch some drifters. Yeah, I mean, you know, they they bring in professional drifters. That that's cool, right? It's competition, music show, car show, lots of the 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 you know riffraff whatever you want to call them (laughs) the people who who show up to watch show up in their own cars they're enthusiasts of some type yeah yeah it seems like a good time and and as we keep saying above all the the main festival is a gingerman and gingerman is the heart and soul of north american motorsport yes absolutely um (laughs) Which which has kind of been funny to a, a long time gingerminer like myself. <clears throat> uh, you mean a hipster gingerminer? <laughs> yes, I'm hearing. I, was, I liked it before. It was cool. Yeah. Um, it's it's interesting to see all these people on you know maybe some of these like Facebook groups, and everything I'm in, uh, arguing about gingerman lap times and and and, and that kind of thing. It's just it's usually normally it would be, uh, you know, like 
road Atlanta or something like that. Like, cause, but no, it's all, it's all about the gingerman lap times. Everyone wants that sub one forty, which uh, I have to disclose. I haven't, I haven't been there yet, but not You'll for, not for lack of trying. I mean, Miatas, they're just, they're just not fast enough, especially when you, you're not allowed to change them because it's a spec Miata, but yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, and champ cars could maybe reach there one day. Um, there's, there's the speed creep. I, I'm, I'm sure they would if uh, Riley's car, could if that Riley it. Corvette showed up yeah. there. But uh, that's a, that's a story for another day. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, faster than my CTSV, probably. Yeah, probably. But maybe maybe one day I'll get sub 140. Um, but until then, I you know I just if anyone from Grid and who follows Grid Life is watching, I think I just lost a ton of credibility. So I'm sorry. You guys can uh, sign off now. It's <laughs> it's the bat cats out of the bag. Not neither of us are sub 140. Unless have you done the bike there? Oh, I've I've uh, I haven't put my M solo on the bike so, at Gingerman. So you probably want sub 140 then. I mean, I mean, I have no proof. So we might <laughs> as well say no. But the but, people yeah. I ride with who are. Who are faster than me? Mm-hmm. Are sub one forty? Okay, substantially. <laughs> but so who knows? I just put along. I uh, yeah, well, just getting that seat time. Yeah, yeah, man. Just I get just, that seat time. Know, I'm out for a Sunday ride. Not leaning over too much because it's scary. <laughs> you know. Yeah, if my Miata leans over, then something's really wrong. <laughs> yeah. So I try to avoid that. That really is scary. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, it's uh, yeah maybe maybe uh, this coming year I might find myself at a grid life event or two. It'd be it'd be cool. Yeah, I hope so. It'd be cool. Get a car done and I'll go with you. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> but maybe one day. <laughs> on that note, of you not having a good car ready mm-hmm. to go, or a sub one forty at Gingerman. Yeah, I think it's time we've. We've disappointed our one listener enough. Yes, yes. So. If you made it this far, <laughs> if you made it this far, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but also thank you. Thank you for sticking with us. Um, but yeah, yeah, well. Hopefully these will get a little smoother as we keep going. And, you know, again, thanks. Yeah, it's, and we'll be back These are again. conversations we enjoy having. And Yeah, I think, uh, I think we might have a a bonus one between now and the, uh, the next weekend of motorsports. So maybe we will go into some more technical stuff versus the, the news. Cause yeah. we're not, we're not, we're not really a formula one podcast, but, uh, it might sound like it from the last. Yeah. So far it kind of sounds like it. I'm really <laughs> not trying to be. It's just, uh, I don't know, a lot of news coming out of F1 recently. Yeah, so yeah. there's just so many races in a row and I mean, a lot of big things happening. So yeah. it's kind of, yeah. it's kind of the flavor of the, the month right now, but, uh, but we like to talk other things too. So, uh, but yeah, we'll, uh, we'll be back again and, uh, we hope you guys, uh, listen in for that one. So till then, uh, we'll see you then. See ya.